Charlie Gerard is a highly accomplished software engineer and technologist. She's worked at Stripe, Netlify, and Atlassian, and authored the book Practical Machine Learning in JavaScript. In her spare time, Charlie explores the field of human-computer interaction and builds interactive prototypes using hardware and machine learning. Some of her recent projects include building a DIY aircraft radar system and creating a gesture-based computer interface using Bluetooth earbuds and machine learning. Charlie joins the podcast today to talk about her work and latest interests. Check the show notes for more about Charlie. This episode of Software Engineering Daily is hosted by Mike Bifulco. Check the show notes for more information on Mike's work and where to find him. Hello and welcome back to Software Engineering Daily. My name is Mike Bifulco. I am one of the co-hosts of Software Engineering Daily. I'm also CTO of a company called Craftwork based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, and I am sitting down today to talk with uh, not only one of my favorite people in the world, but also someone who I'm lucky to call a friend and a former coworker. Uh, Charlie Gerard, who is a uh, software developer extraordinaire and just like a genuinely good person uh, who who um, I haven't had a chance to catch up with in probably a few months was the last time we talked. Um, Charlie, thanks so much for joining the day. How are you doing? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a great intro, probably the best intro I've ever had. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, at the moment, uh, not working, but uh, yeah, on a break and it's actually it's feeling nice. But yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, so last last you and I had really caught up was a few months back. Um, it was after uh, you and I had been working together on the developer relations team at Stripe. Um, I left Stripe last year around November, uh, and um, we had talked a few months ago, just kind of catching up, generally speaking. But at the time, uh, things were sort of uh, going fast and furious for me, and uh, starting to feel like they might be a little up in the air for you, and some life changes were coming your way. So. Why don't we start there? Like, why don't you catch me up? What's new with you? First of all, like, where in the world are you? Where are you talking to me from today? So right now I am in Melbourne in Australia. So it had been a plan for me to move back here uh, for a while. And uh, yeah, I kind of made not last minute decisions, but um, yeah, things were supposed to be another way. And I just I just moved anyway. So right now I'm in Melbourne. Uh, I uh, also uh, left Stripe. And in like at the meaning, like at the moment, I'm uh, in between jobs, so I should be starting another job soon-ish. But as I'm not Australian, I'm like in the process of uh, waiting for a work visa. So I don't really talk about where I'm supposed to go because if I don't get the work visa, then I will be doing something else. Um, but at the moment, yeah, I'm I'm on a break, and uh, it's been nice. I feel like. I feel like I needed a break anyway. Um, I've been thinking about taking a break for a while, but usually when you're on um, on a work visa, you can't really have uh, the kind of extended break that I was looking for. And uh, I've been enjoying, you know, looking back at some projects that I built in the past and coming up with new ideas. So I've still been busy, but just not working for somebody. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Okay. Okay. Well, I feel like you always find ways to stay busy uh, for sure. And uh, I will knock on wood over here in a um, audio recording safe way uh, for you that that I hope things go well with work visas and all that. Um, you have, of course, also been on this podcast before on Software Engineering Daily, I think around a year and change ago uh, to talk about machine learning and, and a book you had written at the time, um, which, uh, you know, obviously that that's a call for a plug as well. Uh, you wrote a book called uh, Practical Machine Learning in JavaScript. Uh, what's what's the pitch for that? Why would someone be interested in uh, machine learning in JavaScript to start? 
Yeah, so I wrote that in 2020. So things have changed and it's not directly related to the current uh, AI hype. But it's, uh, it was my way to teach people how to do machine learning in JavaScript. So it's more targeted towards uh, front-end developers and for people who might not have any background in machine learning uh, at all. And it's like an introduction to understand how it works and what you can do with it, especially in the browser, to give a chance to people to explore that topic while still using a language that they already know, so they don't have to learn everything from scratch. And then uh, if people want, they can dive a little bit uh, deeper but it's mainly using TensorFlow.js. Um, so yeah, so not related to ChatGPT or anything, but I feel like um, actually I realized that because I wrote that book and because I had been doing quite a few machine learning projects uh, at the time, it made me understand a bit more uh, how ChatGPT work. And that's why, um, you know, with the whole hype, uh, I didn't really buy into it because when you understand a bit more how things work, it's a little bit less magical and you can understand why maybe it's not ready yet to really like build, um, like it's not going to take over the world the way that maybe some people uh, talk about. And uh, I feel like learning more about these topics uh, allow you to have a critical thinking mindset when it comes to um, to things like that. So um, uh, yeah, I haven't actually done machine learning stuff in a while, but uh, but I mean, I've been looking at the new, you know, AI things with the new tools. Um, but again, it's like I've been able like when you learn about machine learning, then anything that comes after that in your new tool, you're able to understand uh, more quickly what the benefits are and what they're not able to do. And you have like a faster understanding of um, of the tools and yeah, the possibilities. Yeah, I think I'm going to give you credit for being just way ahead of the Gartner hype curve on machine learning there, having written a book years before uh, it caught the zeitgeist for, for most people. But I feel like sometimes maybe I'm wrong because there, there's so much hype that sometimes I'm like, there must be something I'm missing. And I've been asking myself that question a lot, but then I did some extra research and I'm like, no, I really think that for what I would like to do, like personally, I don't think it's quite there um, I understand that, you know, if you can write code for you, then you build things faster. But when you want to have an understanding of what you're doing, I don't necessarily think that having your answer right away is the way to learn personally. Um, but I know that if you just want to be fast, then sure. Yeah, it's an interesting place to be. I think um, I, I've been kind of on both sides of the fence about uh ML and, and GPT like flavored tools. Um, I, I have an article that I wrote a while back that was about like my first experience using, I guess it was GPT two or GPT three at the time as like a way to generate writing. Uh, and like my, my genuine, one of my first like five experiences using this thing was to gen, I tried to get it to generate an article for me based on some inputs that I gave it. And it wrote a beautiful, super interesting article on like this psychology thing that I was really interested in. And, uh, it wasn't until after I like uh, generated this article. I read it. I was like getting ready to post it and I was doing research on it as you probably should do if you have a computer generate something for you. And I found out that everything it had written for me was completely whole cloth made up. Uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. And that pivoted the um, focus of my article at the time from, hey, uh, here's this cool psychology thing to like, oh crap, we need to be careful about like trusting the robots to do all of our work. Um, I, I think it's an interesting world we get to live in too, because it feels like things are moving very quickly and there's a lot of companies that are sprouting up around these tools and whatnot. Um, my, um, my, my feeling right now is that we're going through almost like a zeitgeist where, uh, everything has to have an M, uh, ML or machine learning or AI like spin on it. And what I 
have mixed feelings on is whether there's really a moat around these companies that have built themselves on top of like Copilot for X. You know, how do you defend your thing if you're you're just wrapping around uh, ChatGPT? I mean, it's like the old things of like, we're going to create Uber for X or Stripe for X. And it's, yeah, well, let's see how, you know, how it goes. I'm going to say it like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So so you said you haven't really uh, dealt much with um, machine learning in a while. So what's keeping you busy right now? Like what, what's occupying your mind space? Um, so uh, at the beginning of the year, I started um, a bachelor's of cybersecurity uh, online. So I'm, I was doing that uh, already when I was uh, at Stripe, but now that I'm on a break, I have a bit more time. So that's been, um, it's like, I feel like I might be at a point in my career where I'm pivoting towards that. Um, so yeah, that's been keeping me busy. There is so much to learn in that space. I feel like the first time that I learned my, you know, my first, I, I mean, I when I wrote my first uh, line of code in, in JavaScript, like almost 10 years ago, and then you realize that you can build so many things. I feel like I'm having the same moment uh, in cybersecurity. So it's almost overwhelming because all of a sudden I, I feel like I'm going back to like junior level because I'm I'm trying to look at uh, at a new field. But I feel like having a background in programming is also helping me understand certain things that might not be taught in a cybersecurity degree. So I've been um, I've been studying that and trying to build um, side projects to um, to learn certain skills uh, related to that on the side as well. Yeah, it's very interesting to to pivot so hard into something that's like pretty different from the things you were doing before. Um, for the sake of it, and in case we have folks who are listening who may not be like uh, dipping their toes into cybersecurity stuff yet, how would you kind of describe cybersecurity on like a 100 level? Like, what does it actually mean to study it? Um, so you learn more how things work on a deeper level. So, you know, when you're a web developer, you learn how to build a website or, you know, how to ping APIs and things like that. But in cybersecurity, it's almost as if you were learning to break them i mean it depends it depends if you're doing offensive security or defensive security but um you'll learn more about about networks um you learn more about um i mean you get certifications like network plus or or security plus and you understand how to set up your own network you even learn about cables and about uh, good connections like at the end of the cables and you learn about the different types uh, of things like that like cat5 cat6 cables uh so at the moment i only started so i've been uh studying that and you also um, look at tools like Wireshark to look at uh, packets that are uh, that are sent uh, between hosts when you make a request, and you learn about subnetting in you know IP addresses and things. So at the moment, I've been mainly learning about about networks and about tools like Nmap and Wireshark. Uh, I don't know what's coming up next. I think that my next class is going to be getting the Security Plus uh, certification, but it's more around understanding under the hood how things work and what kind of vulnerabilities might be there. Um, so that then you can protect uh, a system. So it's almost yeah, my way of like diving deeper into technology in a way that when you're a web developer, you might not really get to do because you um, usually we've already built tools that make it relatively um, easy to like build a web page. And sometimes you might get a, a bug that allows you to dive deeper into what might be going on. But on the security side, it's more uh, creating robust, uh, almost like a platform that you can vent build things on top of so yeah i that, that's a fantastic description of computer security and um i, I have um maybe a 100 level understanding of computer security things uh I, I am a longtime web developer and i think one of the things that we often take very much for granted as web developer folks is like 
that network panel in your uh, browser developer tools is like all of the magic that happens between a server and your uh, browser window. Every every step of the way where that bit of information is hopping from computer to computer to modem and router and switch and all these other things, like there are physical ways to intercept that signal. There are ways to monitor and modify that signal. There are ways to do malicious things along the way. And like, you can be blissfully ignorant of it as a web developer and create a lot of very dangerous situations, uh, which can... Um, this one was scary. I think I realized that I wish that web developers knew a little bit more about security because I feel like there's probably ways where I, like times when uh, I implemented like unsecure things in applications because I didn't know um, and we're not really taught that. So even at a you know web level, you can make sure that your applications are more secure. You don't have to go all the way to making your networks um, secure. But uh, I'm hoping that the more I learn about this, then maybe I can also teach it and raise awareness about the things that sometimes we do that are very not secure. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll do that once I finish the degree. Charlie, I think one of your, your skills in life is that you seem to be um, very good at giving people creative ways to learn things that are very um, coherent and, and thoughtful. Um, so um, if you're listening to the podcast, Charlie's uh, website will be in the show notes. She has a whole list of projects that she's done over the years that are sort of like interesting educational projects that are, I would vaguely describe the things you've built as like, here's an interesting idea I had that demonstrates something that you probably didn't think was possible. Uh, and everything from like controlling interfaces with gestures to recreating things from um, a squid game to listening to the airplanes flying outside of your apartment window. Uh, super, super interesting uses of technology that like for me, uh, creates a memory. It creates something that I have like a, a strong association with like, oh, this is a thing that's possible. Like every every jet that flies by uh, on the horizon has data that they're transmitting and I could be listening to that. That's out in the world. Uh, I, I think that's something that you bring to the world with you and it's a really um, wonderful skill to have. Uh, I, I'm curious from this, like you're, you're a few months into studying computer security. Are there things that you've learned or experienced since starting that were sort of like eye opening to you, things that, that uh, you hadn't considered before? Yes. And so it was um, it was mainly when um, I might be when I was doing a capture the flight competition, whereas it's a, it's a competition where uh, you spend the weekend, there's challenges uh, that cover different areas of cybersecurity and you're trying to find vulnerabilities in systems. And there was one where it was about using Wireshark's, Wireshark to analyze a uh, packet. So there was a packet capture and you were looking, um, you were looking at it and I didn't realize how if you were using uh, WEP for your internet, so if it's not really uh, secure, then you can really intercept like things in them. I mean, you can really see some of the some of the things uh, like a password. Like if, if somebody logs in into the into the Wi-Fi, it's not really protected. You can really easily intercept the password and connect to their Wi-Fi, or even even as a web uh, developer. So you know, I know that you have to use uh, HTTPS on websites now for it to be encrypted, but I had never really seen that if you only use HTTP, you see everything. It's like if you log in on a website that is not HTTPS, I can see your login and password. And it's silly because I knew theoretically, but I didn't see it myself. And it's this, um, it's this kind of moment where you really realize why you're using something because you're really seeing in front of you, like I can, you know, I know that this user uses this login and this password. Uh, and now you can, you know, it's, it's a competition. So it's not like in real, I didn't actually steal people's uh, passwords. But it's a really nice way to put like a, to almost, you know, have it engraved in my memory now why we use uh, we all use certain things. And uh, well, so 
if you ever want to try Wireshark, uh, I think it is illegal to do it on a network that you do not own. So you could uh, do it at home. For example, you could um, you could run Wireshark on your laptop and uh, like um, analyze the cam- like uh, capture the the packets that go from like an iPad or a phone. So you can do that if it's your own devices. But uh, please don't do that at, like in like, an airport or something. I think that's not uh, I think that's not legal. But um, but yeah, it's like things like that where you use technology every day and sometimes you know, you have a lot of other things to learn. So you don't realize, uh, again, how things are built and what you can do with them. And once you start to like open that door of cybersecurity, you're like, oh, wow, I wish that people explained properly why I should do something and not something else. Even if theoretically I know, now I have it uh, in front of my eyes. It's like, okay, yeah, now I know. (laughs) So even password cracking, like really, and now I understand why people say use a very long passphrase and multiflex for Roth. Because if you do this capture the flag competition, usually there's a section about password cracking. And the tools are available; they're open source. Like I have them installed on my laptop now, and you can really see if you were if you use like a word list, you can figure out a, a password in like a few seconds. And it made me want to tell everybody. I feel like as developers we know, but I'm not sure if my parents know. I you know I'm not sure if the random cashier at the grocery store knows. And it's, I wish that we had more resources around, you know, telling people, really showing them why um, why they should do something. I think um, the other day I was watching the news and they were talking about certain um, scams now. If you buy something on, um, here we have a website called uh, Gumtree. I don't know if you have it internationally. It's like some kind of, um, you buy something from your neighbors or something. And they were talking about a scam of like, oh, you can be scammed, but they didn't tell people how. So it's like, as a person, I wouldn't know what a scam would look like. And I wish that we were going further than just telling people use a CCPS or use a strong password. If you see in front of you, your eye on your screen that your password has been like decoded, then you, it will probably, you'll have this wow moment where you probably won't forget that and you'll actually be more careful in the future. Um, so maybe again, that's something that I would like to maybe uh, teach in some ways, but yeah, it's a bit scary to look at this as well. <laughs> it's a very eye-opening experience. It's almost like well, once you see it, you can't unsee it, and uh, I think has the potential to give you a very paranoid like life uh, yeah. lived experience. I mean, I maybe I've been a bit more paranoid now. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's a good thing. But I like the educational bent that you're taking. Like, th- there's an opportunity to teach people to do a little better and. Um, I, I would imagine many people listening to this show have uh, an aunt or an uncle or a relative who, every time they open up their phone, they see the message that says, hey, you need to update iOS. It's four years out of date. And they're like, muscle memory is to just hit the not now button like uh, an and you have a minor panic, panic attack. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so hard to explain why that's important because it's just a little pop-up on your screen. It seems so because innocuous Because people don't tell you what exactly you can do with the vulnerabilities in that system. And sometimes I feel like if people try... Um, you might have, they might invite a security researcher on TV who maybe is not an educator. So they use all the big words that, that people who are not in tech don't understand. And it makes you feel like, oh, well, I'm not going to do anything about it then because I don't understand what they're talking about. Um, and yeah, so I feel like um, I wish that people sometimes understood who they're talking to and how to really approach. Um, if you want to educate people, you really have to find a way for them to relate to the information that you're sharing. Um, so hopefully maybe I'll do that. It's something that I've really wanted to do. Like I started, I think last year, um, I wrote a couple of blog posts about uh, running attacks in Node.js. And it was really interesting because it was taking my um, web developer approach, 
with um, cybersecurity as well. And um, I tried to teach that, but then you also have people who think that will never happen to me. And then I can't do anything about that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. We all learn the lesson once it happens, you know, and yeah, but uh, I don't it's, want, it's... you don't want ransomware to happen to people, you know, so. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned before the difference between HTTP and HTTPS being so striking and so scary that truly like every bit of information you're sending back and forth over the internet is in plain text if you don't have, um, you know, those certificates in place. I think it's an interesting thing too, to point out that we're like only a few years removed from that functionality on the internet, essentially being paywalled. Uh, and by that, I mean, like as a software developer in let's call it 2015 ish era, uh, you would have to pay uh, a pretty stiff ransom for anything you wanted to have SSL enabled online. Meaning it was much harder back then to start a uh, project online to make money off of because you would have to front a few hundred dollars a year for um, SSL security for your domain. It's now pretty much free. Like it's ha almost hard to spin up a website without HTTPS now. Uh, but but it's a very interesting thing that that is like such a fundamental security thing on the internet and uh, that that uh, there are companies like, um, oh my gosh, what's the one that, that creates all the certificates for free for Vercel and Netlify and all those companies? I know um, who you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Something with Encrypt, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Encrypt know. anything, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people will know as well. It's super well-known, but I follow as well. So. Yeah. Well, one of the things I really love about computer security is as we get better at it, like it's 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 a perpetual competition between the attackers and the the sort of white hat good guys. And like, as we get better at it, the, the bar is always moving, but we're learning more and more. And for someone like you, that also requires that you're, the things you learn and the things that you educate people with are going to always be changing. Uh, so it's not like you can do this thing once and then like, you know, you write the book and then next year you have to take up, you know, watercolor paint or something like that. Like it's always going to be a problem. Uh, is that is that something that's energizing for you or do you find that intimidating? But maybe a bit of both. I feel like it's quite similar in the web, you know, uh, web dev industry where there's always a new framework and things like that. But the let's say what's at stake is more uh, important. Let's say if you if I don't keep up with the new version of Next, for example, like it's okay, my website will still work and I can update it later. But if I don't keep up with the types of attacks that are available, then it's like people, you know, you can steal money from people their entire retirement or, I mean, there's a lot of types of, of cyber crimes as well. And I feel like, um, yeah, what's at stake is more important if you don't keep up with what's going on. But yes, it is like, it, it, yeah, there's a lot. And um, there's also, yeah, what's called like zero days where sometimes, yeah, you, it's an attack where we don't have patches for, and there's a lot of them all the time. So it's, yeah, there's definitely a lot and I'm only just starting. So I'm excited to learn more, but I feel like it might end up being exhausting just the, the way that people have JavaScript fatigue. Maybe I'll have Service security fatigue, um, but I feel that you also can't afford to have cybersecurity security fatigue because if you're here to protect people, you can't just be like, "No, I'm tired now." I mean, <laughs> it's. Uh, I feel like it's not the right thing to do, um, but we'll see. We'll see how how it goes. I feel like even if you, I mean, keeping in 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 touch with what's going on, I do it at the moment with reading research papers, but I'm not at the point where I totally understand what's going on. Um, so I might just store the research papers to like reread them uh, in a bit. But what I love about it is that it's very, very creative. I mean, software engineering in general is really creative, but I feel like maybe cybersecurity is creative in a different way when you look at the offensive side. I mean, probably also the defensive as well. But it's really, 
instead of thinking about how am I going to build this, is that how am I going to break this? And there's also like, yeah, everything is like a mix of technology and also human aspect. How can I trick this person into doing this? And um, it's, um, yeah, definitely a whole new world. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think folks who get into computer security are really interesting to me because there's so many different directions you could go uh, with with the knowledge. Um, you know, the, the traditional like... Um, black and white view of this is uh, what is it white hat and black hat hackers it's like the white hat hackers look for problems and then share the solutions and the black hat hackers look for problems and and abuse the solutions and use them for financial gain uh but but i think there's also quite a few other things that happen as a result of this that are just like kind of maybe curiosities or funny things that happen uh that that find their way into i don't know pop culture and hobbies and things like that but um I know when I was in university, there were a number of like puzzles online that were these web puzzles with like hundreds of levels that started out with like, go to a web page, look at the source on the page and find the password to get you to the next URL you had to go to. And like starts from there and ends up with you like wandering through a field in the middle of, you know, the South of Germany, like trying to find the coordinates for something and digging up a hole and all this other stuff. And it, it is really interesting to see these things like touching the real world and, and, um, you know, getting people to learn things. But I was also reminded recently that, um, a, a direction that people go with this kind of thing is like reverse engineering. Uh, and there's a really interesting thing that's happening online as we sort of like grow older as a, as a world that has had technology in our lives where we're losing the archival access to things we used to have. And, and literally by that, I mean things like old movies and games and books and things like that start to disappear. And I think it's been really interesting to see people who have a good understanding of computer hardware, like go back and reverse engineer the circuitry on an old graphics card so that they can recreate a program that operates just like that. And like, this is all the same stuff on some level. And I find that very, very fascinating, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, I feel like also, I mean, maybe I'm getting into this as well because in, I'm at a point in my career where maybe I'm getting bored a little bit with what I already know. And I feel like when you're an engineer and you just want to keep learning, then I guess my way now is to get into this and be like, oh, now, now there's like everything I, I need to learn. Like I really don't know that much. And it's always chasing that feeling of, of learning something new. And yeah, people sometimes do that with, uh, with hardware and, and everything. And, um, yeah, I guess it's, uh, yeah, that's why I do it. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So I, I guess what I'm curious about is like pie in the sky, if there was any sort of like um, end result for you from finishing this this study, what do you think you would end up doing uh, with, with your computer, um, sorry, computer security uh, learnings? Um, I mean, maybe one day I would love to be a penetration tester. Um, so really uh, either as a consultant or, or something, but really go and help companies test the systems and try to break them and then, you know, write reports and be like, this is what's going wrong and this is how you could um, fix it. Um, I think that I, in general, I like to help people. So I think it would be either that or or educating in cybersecurity. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of part of me that like, ooh, I'd like to do bad stuff, but I probably will <laughs> never. Yeah, we think, just can't admit to that on the air as well. <laughs> but it's more, I usually do it like on, on myself. So in my own network or with my own devices, this is what I've been doing so far. Not because like I'm not interested in stealing money from people or anything, but just understanding uh, how things are run. And sometimes, you know, to understand and help protect people, you also have to learn how uh, the bad, you know, exploits um, work. So it's uh, yeah, a, a mix of this, but definitely um, I would love to have access to, you know, other systems that I can 
um, do penetration testing on. Because if I do it at home on myself, I'm obviously very limited. It would be like just a little home network. Uh, I wouldn't really be able to do uh, that much. But if you're helping a company as a, as a consultant, then you would be able to uh, really look at, at you know companies of various sizes and um, and try to protect them uh, against uh, against cybersecurity. So either that or what is called a threat hunter. So looking at all of the data um, that is coming. So if you work for a company that has a lot of clients, you can look at all of the data that they're gathering and you can try to um, find uh, threats of different, you know, like are they being attacked right now and what kind of actor is it? You know, do we recognize a pattern that is coming usually from like Russia or, or China? What kind of exploit is it? Does it have, you know, some kind of signature that makes it look like uh, I don't know. I forgot the names of um, of famous viruses, but you could look at a lot of data and try to figure out um, who's being attacked by what. And um, but that would, yeah, I don't really know exactly how that rule works. So maybe the way I just described it is not correct. Um, but it looks, uh, yeah, it looks like that's what they do. And I think I'm just, I'm just interested in. I feel like you know, having the role of like I'm here to try to protect you is something that I like. It's um, you know, using technology and your knowledge, you're able to, you know, analyze things and protect people so that they don't have to care about it. Um, sure. It sounds Use like, your wisdom for good. Yeah. I feel, I mean, it's something that I always try to do in my career, but it's actually hard <laughs> to find a company who uh, says that they want to do good and who actually does it. <laughs> Usually it's like, we want to do good. And then you work and you work for a bank or something. So <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, this is where I would, I would like. Yeah. Well, you're definitely the hero we need in that sense, Charlie. I, I, I admire your drive towards that. <laughs> well, I mean, with the knowledge I have, I'm not going to protect much. <laughs> but, you know, I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, but yeah, it's something I feel like if you if you can mix your knowledge of technology and help, you know, help people, you know, in a good way, then I feel like it's something that would make me want to go to work every day. So, yeah. And so now you're a few months into this. You started, I think you said at the beginning of this year. Um your background prior to this was almost uh, exclusively in web development stuff, but you've already mentioned uh, that you've been exposed to like some social engineering things, some uh, hardware vulnerability things with um, network cables and patch cables and things like that. I think I saw recently some blog posts that you're almost literally studying like electrical engineering, like talking about uh, Ohm's law and stuff like that on your website. So do you, have you found already that there are like um, areas that you would like to explore, maybe that you're more interested in that uh, are, are surprising to you? Um, well, there is something at the moment that I've wanted to look more into and I'm struggling a little bit because I don't find many good resources for my level. It's um, around software defined radio and the radio spectrum and being able to analyze that and, and uh, do what is called uh, digital signal processing when I look, when I try to find resources, I feel like they're often explained for people who already have a degree in this. <laughs> so it's, I wish I could find a resource where it's for very like beginners. And actually, I think that um, No no Stops Press has a book coming next year about software defined radio. So as soon as it's out, I'm gonna, gonna try to get it. Uh, but it's something that I, um, I've been getting into when I did my project about like tracking airplanes, but there's a lot more that you can do. And I feel like I'm blocked because I don't have uh, enough knowledge in this. And it can also relate to cybersecurity uh, because you can do things like uh, replay attacks where you record a signal from um, from a receiver uh, or like um, a transmitter and you just replay it to, you know, it can be used to open garage doors or something like that. 
Um, but I, it's something that I have no background in at all. And, um, and I've been, I've been trying to get into this. So it's been on my backlog for a while. And at the same time, I want to get my, uh, I'm at a radio lessons and be with my little radio in my garden, like, do, do, do. <laughs> and have like a call sign and, uh, see if there's anybody around Melbourne. But, um, and I feel like maybe studying to get my, I'm at a radio license would help me understand also how, how this works. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot that you can do with this as well, but it's so different um, because you, I mean, you're really dealing with like radio frequencies and, and yeah, I don't really know that much about it. I just know that I'm interested. So I'll, I'll get there eventually. I think it's one of the fascinating things about the world that surrounds us is that like radio uh, communication and um, broadcast information through the air is like, we are currently and always surrounded by information flying around and through us, like literally through your body. I mean, it's amazing. We don't think about it, but I'm always, sometimes I put them like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there and we just don't know about it. And I think that's really cool and, and super interesting. Um, ha have you happened to fall down the uh, internet rabbit hole of reading about numbers stations? You know what those are? No. Oh, Charlie, this is gonna this is gonna be one of those things Ooh, that I think sends be you my into day a spiral. Today. <laughs> this is like an old, um, I, I think, as far back as maybe like World War One spy thing, where like there are these radio stations that exist in the world that just broadcast repeated recordings of someone reading numbers. So it would be like just a random string of numbers, and it'd be you'd hear a, like the same voice saying like ten, five, sixteen, thirty four. And the idea is that these are things that exist as as one way ciphers for people who need to listen to information from uh, from from their like central sort of whatever wherever intelligence is coming from. So if Charlie the spy was in the middle of uh, the the uh, Australian outback and you knew to tap into this station and people wanted to send information to you, they could send you a message and you wouldn't know how to decipher it based on like listening at a certain time of day and listening for a certain start and end sequence. Uh, and these are things that you can just listen to. Like they're all over the world. There's great websites that catalog where they all exist. Uh, and some of them are like the use of them is known or speculated. Some are literally unknown. Some go silent for years on end and then come back for a few seconds. And it's that's like. So, that's so cool. It's, uh, you know, I think it's like in the news recently, they were talking about researchers who found, you know, a signal from space that was repeating in every 20 minutes or so. I don't know if it was minutes, uh, but it's so, it's like, you don't know because if you're not, if you don't have the right equipment and code, whatever to listen in, then things happen around you that you have no idea about. It's, it's definitely the case where it's like, the more you learn about how the world operates, the more paralyzingly complex everything is, but also like deeply fascinating too. And there, there's a lot of opportunity to teach people that, you know, if you know just a tiny bit more about how the world around you works, like you can protect yourself from other things and also just maybe be ready for I don't know, the ambiguity of an ever-changing universe that we seem to be hurtling through anyway. So uh, let's, um, let's, let's pull back a little bit. So you're, you're sort of like in between gigs right now, figuring out, um, you know, the, the joyousness of citizenship and visas and all that other stuff. Uh, what do you have uh, going on right now? Apart from your studies, are you, um, are you traveling at all? Are you, you headed to conferences, anything like that? Yes, so I uh, I will be at Beyond Tellerend in a few weeks. I think it's on the 11th and 12th of September. Um, I think for the end of the year, that's going to be uh, the only conference that I go to. Because again, you know, when you start a new job, I don't want to start and they like, and you know, right away be like, I'll be away, bye. Um, but I have a few conferences next year uh, as well. And uh, so that's, um, yeah, in terms of conferences, that would be it. So, you know, if 
Uh, I don't know when this episode will be out, but if anybody's in Melbourne and want to hang out, then my DMs are open, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, for for sure. Where's the best place to find you online? Poof. I mean, at the moment, it's a bit difficult. I mean, I would say I still sometimes check Twitter. Uh, I don't know for how long. I don't really post anymore because at the moment, I feel like I don't have much to say. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, my DMs are open on Twitter, so I'm at DevDevCharlie, but otherwise... Uh, I'm also on uh, Mastodon and on Blue Sky. Usually, if Dev Dev Charlie is available, then that's that's me. Uh, yeah. So, oh yeah. Otherwise, my email you can find it on my GitHub, Charlie Gerard. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure to drop uh, all of the Charlie links in the show notes so that anywhere where someone might want to find you, uh, they can. Yeah. Actually, I've been trying to learn German as well. So that's like a non-technical thing at all. I was thinking, well, I'll be in Berlin a few weeks, so maybe I could. I'd love to try to at least order something in German. I've tried in the past, but I think, you know, if you don't, uh, if you don't practice, then you kind of lose. Um, so I'm going to see how much I can learn by, you know, mid-September. <laughs> yeah, got it. So how many languages would uh, do you speak right now? Uh, well, English, French, and Spanish, I've lost a lot of it, but I can still, I can understand, but I'm, if I had to have a conversation, it would take me a long time to, <laughs> to say the right words and stuff, but. Um, sure. I want to throw better. German on top too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love languages as well. It's just it's like programming languages. It's like you learn the syntax and how to use them. What I love is that there's obesity culture that goes into it as well. So sometimes you can't make the same jokes in French as in English because something's just hot funny <laughs> in certain languages. And yeah, there's a lot of context. Um, and I, I love thinking about that because it tells you a lot about the history uh, of you know, people in the country and uh, yeah, it's just as interesting as programming languages. Sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, okay, I, I've I've been trying to end my interviews lately with uh, a couple of questions that are more about like telling me more what, what sort of things you're thinking about and and maybe the media you're consuming. So uh, I, I'm curious if you have a maybe a YouTube channel or a podcast or a book or something like that to recommend for people uh, that's that's been sort of occupying you lately. Where's where's somewhere you would point someone to? Um, so right now I'm learning, uh, how computers, I mean, I'm learning, I'm reading, uh, how computers really work by Matthew Justice. Um, so it's more of like a reminder of things that, uh, that I, um, that I kind of already know, but I mean, I'm at the beginning of the book, so I'm hoping that by the end of it, there'll still be little gems of things that I don't know, but it's really well written. And I picked it up because I feel like for a while I didn't want to read technical books because they felt really dry but i love the way that the author is actually um explaining things and there's exercises and it's kind of making me like technical books again and uh, it makes me feel like i want to buy more of it's like a no starch press book as well and i really like what they uh the type of books that they have it makes me want to pick up other ones and and i'm thinking that maybe learning things with books is probably better sometimes i struggle to find tutorials that go in depth enough or or that are that are you know talking about the topic that I really want to learn. So, uh, so right now I'm I'm reading uh, this in terms of like technical stuff. Cool, right on. That's a great recommendation. How computers really work. Um, I'll dig up a, a link for that as well and drop it in the show notes too. Um, Charlie Gerard, I I uh, am so so grateful to get to hang out with you and spend some time with you. Um, please come back and hang out anytime. Uh, if you want to come and, and talk about what you're working on, what you're not working on, what's frustrating in the world, whatever it is, uh, we can always catch up. Um, thanks so much for hanging out today. I appreciate you being a guest. Uh, let's do it again soon. Thanks for having me. Right on. Thank you, Charlie.